Hi, and welcome to the Get Richer Teacher Podcast. My name is Ola, and I'll be your guide and mentor on your way to a profitable, sustainable, but most importantly, enjoyable language education business. And why would you care to do that, to build a business like that? Because there's literally no other way. The language education market is in a bizarre state. Companies making millions in profit yet paying teachers peanuts. Native speakerism is still way too powerful. And finally, the students are bored of the same old formats and messaging telling them to speak like a native. I'm here to shake things up, to educate and motivate a community of teachers who have the courage to build businesses and teach the language on their own terms, both solo or in their own language schools, and have a positive impact on their students and the world. Because teachers are superheroes. Let's claim it today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. And today is going to be a very special one because I've got a very special guest with me. The special guest is Gina, lovely, knowledgeable ELP consultant. Uh, welcome, Gina. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. No, probably part of your fantastic podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I no. remember you first invited me. It must have been about a year and a half ago uh, to have a live on Instagram. So it, it's time. It's high time I paid you back. That oh, favor. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was the first time actually we, we met online and yep. then, yes, it was really good. Yeah. So, well, thanks. Yeah. It's a real pleasure to be here. Oh, wonderful. So we uh, have a very interesting topic to talk about, but mm -hmm. first I wanted the listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So could you tell us a, bit, a little bit about what you do? What's your role in ELT and how you got there, maybe? <laughs> Briefly, well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, I am an ELT marketing consultant, uh, but I've been in ELT for many, many years. I don't want to say how long. <laughs> I started in this episode when I was an English language teacher, then I became a teacher trainer, then an educational consultant. I worked in educational publishing for many, many years. So, you know, liaising with marketing teams and sales teams. I was part of this marketing and sales team, but editorial teams as well. In, you know, from the creation of course box to production and also all the distribution and training the teachers to, to use the, the course box and the new methodology. So that was my role for many years and training the agents that represented us. And then, um, then I decided at some point, I decided to resign from my senior position and, and became self-employed and, and, you know, for, at the beginning I thought, well, what am I going to do? And. And actually, one of my colleagues said, well, you know, why don't you do what you know what to do? So I some marketing and all that part with language school. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. And yeah, there is some market research. And I realized that actually, you know, language school specifically, they needed support with marketing, especially social media marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started. So I did that part. But because I've got all this educational background, ELT and the teacher training background, all that, I also help now school owners that want to innovate their courses, but to find, you know, ways to do that based on education trends. And that's 
connected also to what marketing and selling your courses, you know, mm. more and better. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing now. What an exciting journey. Amazing. I love it. And I think since we, I think when we met, you were still not doing it full time. Only you said it was just a bit of a side project. Now it's actually, yeah, it was um, at the beginning, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you find the transition from working, as you said, in a senior position to basically working for yourself? Oh, quite an interesting one. Because obviously when you are in a role, in a very specific role, you can do only that. Okay. okay. Whereas now I have to do a little bit of everything, right? So my core, you know, dot, which is you know, creating marketing strategies and content and training and all of that. But I also need to do my own marketing and my right. own strategy. And my own the relentless marketing. Exactly. Calculation <laughs> of taxes and, you know, all, all the stuff that you can imagine. It's yeah. just me. Yeah. Uh, every now and then I outsource certain things because, you know, you can't be doing everything. Also, it's, you know, a good way to make good use of your time. You know? mm-hmm. So you have to invest your course. So, but yeah. Oh, or for example, what happened uh, when it has good, you know, let's say big projects. That involved only the digital marketing part, you know, maybe if Apple's or, for example, sales, then again, I cannot be doing everything. So then I collaborate with other people. That's brilliant. I feel like that's a little bit of a taboo. I find it very much of a problem with teachers, but language school owners, like people who are more established, they find it extremely hard to outsource. Yeah. It is. No, that's my, my knife saver. I mean, yeah. and, and I'm going to give you a very simple example. For example, how did I survive in a job as the one I had before, just pretty intense with two small kids? I was outsourcing really? something, all the housework and all the stuff. And I remember, you know, mom and mom say, Oh, you know, I don't want anyone in the house or whatever. I said, Well, that's, you know, that's not a luxury. I can, like, sometimes. I can enjoy, I need someone in the house to come and clean and, and, you know, I need two hours, three hours of babysitting. And that was that one kind, one type of outsourcing. And nowadays, that type of outsourcing, but you need to outsource. Absolutely. And actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that we we're kind of making a little detour from the talk. I think it's super relevant and important. I've been recently reading this book called Do Nothing. And there was a fragment there that said that it's not the money, it's not the success that drastically raise our levels of happiness in life. And there's been research done on this. Wow. It's buying time. And mm. that's how I see outsourcing. It's buying time. Mm-hmm. And this this will stay with me. And I think it, it's great that you're talking about this so openly because I think, again, it's a bit of a taboo, especially with women, isn't exactly. it? It's true, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Mm. And I, and I even felt guilty sometimes. I have to admit, but, but it was the way to survive. And it is it always. Was. So you still like, like now, right? Like I've got many projects that are, you know, big and I need, you know, people to collaborate and I need like, and then there are maybe tiny time consuming tasks. Let's put it that way. But yes, I can do them, but you know, I cannot concentrate on more important things and, you know, uh, and so I outsource that if it is necessary. I do exactly so clever. So going back a little bit to the marketing subject, do you notice any trends at the moment when it comes to language schools and 
or teachers and this whole language market in general when it when it comes to marketing? Are there any good trends, bad trends? Yeah, I wonder. Well, a couple of, of things. One is that they tend to be reactive rather than proactive. So if they are kind of getting enough enrollment, then, okay, let's forget about marketing. And that's the second of it, you know, but the it's moment they start, trap, isn't it? It's such yeah. A trap. Yeah. The, the moment they, they, not even the moment they start seeing a drop, but after it has dropped, which is even worse. And they say, Oh my God, we have to do something. And that is the worst moment to take action. Okay. So the best moment is before that. You know, curve goes down. Exactly. Okay. It's before. So that means that you have to constantly keep all the, the, you know, the plates spinning and all the blood of all running. That's so not, not when things get really bad. But that's, that's one of the, yeah. I mean, that's something I have noticed. And the other one is, it's not that healthy. And it's that when they market their courses this year, there's this, to, you know, use the native speaker teachers as a key selling point. So what happens is, well, first of all, it's not always true. So when the students go to school, they actually see that not all the teachers will be native speakers. So that's not, not great. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, from a marketing point of view, if you, as they did quite recently pour out, article I wrote, you know, it went through various about 20 ads. And I can say that one in 10, or sometimes one in, you know, just one in 10, they're not say native speaker, all the rest. Wow. So like first point in the list of things, the ad or in the landing pages, um, modeling, what they call it in Italy. But I bet it's very much of a thing in other countries as well. Like I've seen it in Spain. I've seen it in Poland. It's generally a trend, right? It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people? It's because of the perception of the general public. Because the general public isn't educated enough to understand what really matters to be a language teacher. So in their minds, it's, you have to be a native speaker, but right? we know if, if you are in the sector, if you are a professional, that that's not enough. Now, and, you know, what really matters is whether you are qualified or not. So if a person, regardless of nationality, is a qualified language teacher, and so that, that means that they will know how to present to new structures, how to help the students learn vocabulary, how to explain grammar clearly without causing more confusion. And also, for example, how to manage a class, how to choose a course box, how to do a needs analysis. So it's, it's, it's a real job. It's a profession. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and that, so if, I mean, you don't know, you didn't, you need to know the language, of course, but you also need to know how to pitch that language. So mm-hmm. what I see, for example, is that, is that people say, oh, you know, we just need, you know, oh, yes, it's a mother lingua, it's a native speaker. Wow, it's a native speaker. I'm like, yeah, okay, is that a qualification? I don't know that one. You know, it is not. So 
How it's can... as if being born somewhere or being of a certain gender was a qualification. I, I see it this way. Maybe maybe it's a bit of an extreme example, but I find it, yeah, I find it like, obviously, I don't think people do it consciously. I don't think people are meaning to perpetuate this, but I personally think that this is a bit of a it's an unconscious bias that exists. unconscious bias and yeah. i think it has a lot to do with things like colonialism white kind of premacy like i think those issues are related and they're still very much taboo it is a bit of a taboo it's like it's like within our elt world it's the most controversial topic because it's the most yeah it's the hottest thing people yes. discuss and disagree on at the same time there aren't alternatives people don't know what to do really hmm. well i mean there are two aspects of, of this question one is when schools look for teachers to teach at school and that's when i think or you know that you want to talk about supremacy and that, that i think that's when those elements come into play i for example when i moved to italy that was my first time experiencing discrimination. So mm. I was fired, I had worked all the countries and everything that you, you, you know, you would yeah. like the teacher to have. And, 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 you know, people say, yeah, but, you know, and the first question was that, are you going to talk? Or, you know, where are you from? Just, I remember feeling like this. Because you tell people, I said, where are you from? I say, oh, I'm from Uruguay. Oh, well, no, we're really sorry about it. And your English is very good, but you've got great qualification, but I'll say, okay, well, and when I actually got the job, the first place where I got the job, they, they wanted me to change my name from Dina to Jane. How funny that I had exactly the same experience. Did you? How funny with the name. Yeah. Yeah. When I first moved to the, to the UK, so in the UK, it tends to be extremely politically correct. So nobody would ever ask me. It's, it's like, it was a taboo, not like to mention that it's, it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But still, mm, do you think it would be better if you weren't an Ola, but an Alex? And so like it was suggested that. Oh, what did you do? I, unfortunately, I listened. And for the time I worked for that particular school, I changed my name. I was an oh, Alex. And it's like, no, like. Obviously, now it makes me laugh. Exactly. But no, I didn't laugh. So bloody sad because it's terrible. (laughs) As if, like, for me, it looks as if I was hired to do a job that is usually a man's job and somebody would ask me to wear a bra that doesn't show my breast. It's like hiding your identity because it looks better. Honestly, it's it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember I was shocked. I, I was shocked and speechless when I had that yeah. quest. And then I thought, but the well, awareness so now is just so much better. So I wonder if the school owners, if still, I would say that there are some professionals, some teachers, some freelancers who still do it, who still use the native speakerism as their USB. But do you yeah. think it can well, be? Yeah, no, I mean, that happens all the time. So as I was saying, I mean, you have two aspects of this. So it's a school advertising and recruiting teachers and working teachers of a certain nationality, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the schools in their courses, to, you know, the community that they are, you know, 
saying, oh, we've got an HP contagious when very often they don't. But as I was saying, you know, when you analyze all those ads, what you see is that the schools, they all look the same. So if I have to choose a school based on something that they do really nice and unique, I don't know, I don't know which one because it's, you know, they all have native speaker teachers, more groups and dynamic less. So <laughs> the only thing I could do is choose the one that costs less and is perhaps the closest to where I am or, you know, there's nothing unique, uh, you know, that they show. So yeah, so that's, a, that's, you know, the pro- and the teacher is on the teacher from, you know, the other point of view, you know, from a teacher. I, I have noticed that, that very often they come and say, Oh, I'm a native. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, red carpet. <laughs> but I, I, I remember, you know, the, the, the ones that were here maybe temporarily and they got the job because they were native speaker, they actually couldn't manage the lesson. They, they, they make mistakes when explaining, you know, very grammar protocol, catch or whatever, uh, because they haven't studied the language. And also they were the ones that for me, they were entertainers, bounce, mm-hmm. because then because it comes which is another side bad side of that same coin like it's not only harmful and ineffective on a marketing level like from the marketing perspective but it's also harmful because it kind of puts that native speaker teacher into the role of someone really insignificant right yeah it's such a big problem yeah 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 yeah. go on no, I was saying that. And so the, the thing is that then you have that teacher that, you know, maybe he, he, that teacher plays a musical instrument that, you know, he or she will bring the musical instrument and play, I don't know, play, maybe she plays the guitar and then entertaining the students and talking about culture, that kind of thing. And everyone is happy and it's a very kind of skin deep level. And then at the end of the year, what happens are they are the same level they were, you know, at the beginning. So that's a problem because they have paid to get results and they thought that they would get because they had to, but, you know but this is this is the misconception of the jail public yeah. and so the school is actually not managing that really well and when they advertise you know native speaker teacher etc and it's not true they're also they're fostering this and this is a way how we will continue to have you know teachers that are not qualified in the role and and, and it's just wrong, just completely wrong. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I always wondered what was first, the hen, the, the chicken on the egg. So like, what was first, the misconception the public has or the schools and the industry marketing it, marketing it in this way, like in this lazy way, because I feel like saying, oh, we have native speakers. So it's obvious, like somebody makes this connection in their work. Oh, native speaker. Okay. So if I want to learn English, obviously I would learn from a native speaker, right? If I want to learn how to make a pizza, I obviously would learn better from an Italian person. Like we know how shallow and stupid that is, but it's such an easy thought process. I wonder if it was the public first who had that misconception or the marketers. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. And by the way, what I have noticed as well, like I, I worked at school. It was a very good school. They didn't believe in the, you know, native speaker teacher thing. And they have a mix of native speakers all, but on their website and on their social media, they were, again, you're boasting about native speaker teachers. 
And then we had this conversation, I had this conversation, well, you know, if we are going to work together, you know, you need to know that I don't think this is the way to do it for this and this and this reason. And the question was like, okay, but we don't know what shall we do? Exactly that, right? They don't know. So what could they do? Like, obviously, we don't want you to spill all your secrets here, but (laughs) what could be a viable alternative to using that argument? Yeah, I the the key point is to change the focus. Okay, so it's not about nationality, but it's about qualification, the results that the students achieve, and since showcasing testimonials, you know, if your lessons are dynamic, but being able, okay, so <laughs> make that aspect visible. But as I say, it, it needs to be analyzed, and every every school has different unique qualities. Okay, <laughs> it's, the, it's the job of the marketer to analyze to make an analysis and SWOT analysis and see, you know, what needs to be communicated loud and clear. Mm. Change the focus. You know, you cannot set, you cannot sit on that because you're, if you do, then you're not standing out. I think exactly that. So right. yeah, I think that's, that's the main point I would say. Um, that's really, that's really valuable because I feel that's relevant to everybody. If people just keep using that, that, that language, that kind of way of communicating, because sometimes I, I bet it comes from fear. Of oh everybody does yeah, it, well, so yeah. we better do it because otherwise we stand out. But in a, in like otherwise a we will lose students, or we are not going to attract students. But it's a lot. We live with a more a lot more accepted. So imagine. So I mean, for a journalist marketer, so if you, if a school here goes to whatever marketing agency that works with fashion, why whatever, they don't work with education. So they have no idea about education or language education. Of course, they also have that. Unconscious bias, and they will, the first thing they will do is everything that they think is good. Okay. But if you, if you actually work with someone that is really specialized and they understand, so, you know, they will, or a good journalist marketer that does an analysis, they will be able to break out your, your qualities. So that's, that's one aspect. And also it's important to educate the public. So it's important to give back. But going back to the use or, or, or dropping the word managing word in advertising and courses, uh, yeah, people are afraid of not attracting students. But actually, as I would say, it's, it's a lot more effective if you, for example, imagine showing your, you know, the figures about it, it sounds pass rates, for example. So this, um, this person pitched past it to them, this person, da, 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 da. People go, oh, oh my God. At that point, they don't care if the teacher yeah. is from the UK. Yeah. Qualify, not qualify. I mean, they just want that. They want those results. Okay. So showing that, showcasing that aspect or maybe a video where, you know, you can see uh, that there is interaction in, in the classroom with a nice, you know, uh, so, you know, there are, there are various ways. You don't have to rely on. Yeah. I wanted to say, it's so funny that you say about the generic, generic marketers. I was recently doing some research on that, actually on the Polish market. And what I came across was a blog post written by very much of a generic marketing agency who had like a specific service for 
educational institutions, and they wrote a case study of how they helped one language school uh, with their market strategy. And when I read this, I was like, Jesus, this is literally against everything I would tell people because it was zero. There was advice like, oh, just post words every day. Mm. Just say that you've got a native speaker. Exactly what you just said. So it's the bias. It's the not knowing of the, of the industry. And our industry is extremely specific that. Exactly. It's extremely specific, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, and it's an it's a it's a different beast as well because you you know it's education. Um, very often you are not selling the lowest courses to the student, but maybe children. So the True. parents are in the middle; they are decision makers. It's a big investment as well. It's not like buying a bag or something yeah. about to avoid that. It's you just go and, and do it. So it's a different beast, and it, it, you know, and sometimes people and. Take advantage of the of those schools that don't know about digital marketing. So, yeah. for example, yeah, okay. So you post words, okay, you do that, and people will like post because oh, that's a, will they buy your courses? That's another thing. So, are you doing posting and praying, or are you doing marketing? So, it's two different things. But what is the role of social media marketing? And yeah, so 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 if we go down that road, you can open a new chapter. So that's a problem. So I I I have a client that was quite worried about um you know not having enough comments or not having enough likes, but actually she was having enough inquiries. And I said, well, you know, do you want to be an influencer or you want to sell your language course? Exactly what I'm saying to my clients. Exactly that. Is your content or is the things that you do like worthy or credit card worthy, worthy. I saw that phrase. Can mm-hmm. like, we obviously run businesses or the language school owners, they run businesses rather than influencing platforms. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I tell you what, I mean, I said, well, you know, let's imagine that they want that. They want, so, but it's, it's a different objective. So for example, people come yeah. to me because they want to. Reinforce their brand awareness. They want to create this, you know, like trust factor, you know, build it up, support what, you know, their paid campaigns. And that's very important as well. The point says that they both have to run at the same time. One supports the other. So they, they, that, that's what, what they need. But, you know, they're not going to be an influencer. I mean, I mean, and if they want that, if they want, they can, you know, work with a different person or maybe even do that themselves so it's not the lights that count exactly exactly that and that's so important to always remember so do you think it's the it's the the messaging aspect that language schools mainly struggle with or do you find that there are some other challenges that kind of stand out to you when you work with schools on social media yes i mean for sure the the cops or the the, the wording okay so that's one and, you know, when you, when you do, when you prepare the, the social media plan for what you're mm-hmm. going to post, it's obviously based on what you want to achieve or what you want to do, etc. And, and at least I do that way. I start from the message I want to communicate. And then that will help me focus on what visuals I need to communicate to back up that message. So it's a combination of the two. Right. 
And people do it the other way around, I bet. But then, you know, there's a lot of tendency today the other way around. Mm. I mean, you can't like, give anything for granted, right? So every little detail counts. But most importantly, and that's another big mistake, is that they tend to think, as you know, well, social media will solve all their problems. And so relying on and they forget that social media is just a tiny part of a much bigger picture. Okay, so it's not a such good point that you're making. Yeah. And I think again, whoever is listening today, like most of my audience are teachers, but obviously, um, I've been talking quite a lot recently about how I could help language school owners as well. And I think it it's becoming so clear that the challenges are quite similar, but just on a different scale. You know, and exactly. I think people fall into similar traps. Like yeah. teachers don't have time for marketing because they only do it in that feast and famine cycle. And they only are reactive, as you said. Same with school owners, because they just have too much to do, right? And there isn't proper strategy. There isn't, like, I feel that sometimes, exactly as you say, people feel that social media posting with will change their lives, save their businesses. Because it's the comfort zone. It's quite easy to post anything on and social think, media. Okay, that will do. That will <laughs> do. <laughs> will it do though? Will it? No, organically, no. Really? You know, only a tiny proportion of the people that follow you or connect with you will see what you do. And, and so, for example, that takes me to another aspect of, for example, repurposing and recycling content. So, you know, you go, oh, no, no, I have done that. That photo has been used. Was the clip? And you go, what is it here? Oh, you know, a tiny proportion of the people organically probably saw that, you know, and it can be recycled, it can be repurposed. And, oh, sorry. I, I lost the person, sorry. No, quickly. Okay. The social media is a tiny proportion of, of yeah, that. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, exactly. And then you have the, you know, if you want to reach, you want to reach people that don't know you, then it's more about, you have to move into ads. Um, That's blast, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on what you're doing. Okay, so it all depends on, on your strategy and your objective. So, for example, let me give you an example. Let's imagine, some, for example, some now schools or even sites, they do an ad. Let's imagine they do an ad. The person that sees the ad doesn't know here. Before they say, before they decide to inquire and you know and maybe work with you and roll with you they will check who you are because you know, they need to trust and yes. as they are not now they will go to your profile and then they find the picture of a cat or the picture of a sunset yep. beautiful sunset. or maybe words 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 but who knows that you know that in that case the organic part is not helping the page mm -hmm. in many ways i just that that's mm -hmm. what i thought yeah but it could be, for example, that, and let's imagine there are no ads, and the only thing that you need is to pass line, okay, to reassure the potential students that what you do is of a certain quality, for example. Mm -hmm. And so you use your, so your organic mm -hmm. social media in a way that it helps you to that. So people going to your website, they're probably will check on social media or People heard about you, they will check on social media because you know social media is now yeah. used as a, It's just this little like business card very often, right? So 
I feel, and again, such a, such a great point because I feel like teachers do the same. They rely or like they put 95% of their efforts when it comes to growing the audience and attracting potential students and, and clients by posting organic content. It doesn't really work like this. Yeah. There are other, I'm not saying that everybody suddenly has to pay for ads, no. but there are definitely other ways and people need to start exploring them. So social media, yes, it's like a little window to your world. So it has to be relevant. No cats, no sunsets, unless it at sunset with your student, students and it's all relevant to what has recently happened in your school. Yeah. But like, yeah, it all has to make sense because people make decisions based on based on that as you yeah. mentioned like no like trust that's that's such a key uh, element of of yeah presence isn't it yeah yeah yes absolutely because you know it's online so how are you gonna trust <laughs> so you need to exactly. you know ask you know factors there to to help you trust and decide to, to go ahead with it with that feature that score so yeah, I mean, as I, as I say, I don't think there's one way, you know, it always yeah. depends on what the situation is and what your objectives are, what your resources are, because sometimes we have great plans and ideas, but then there's no time or there's no budget, budget is limited. So it's a constant optimization of what you have. So it's very strategic. Okay. Yeah. You have to work with what you've got, right? Mm -hmm. You can't suddenly give somebody a blueprint and it will work because everybody has different resources, right? So yeah. has to be taken into account. Oh my goodness. I, I think that this has been such a massive golden nugget for everybody, oh. whoever has been listening. So I just wanted to say that, and that's something that one of my teacher clients has recently commented on. She, she said something along the lines, when I hear you speak, you sound like a business owner. And I, believe that I strongly believe that both language school owners and teachers, if they want to really, if they really commit to having successful businesses, to having not even successful because success is such a tricky word, but sustainable businesses that they can enjoy, they really need to em embrace that identity. And with being a business owner comes strategy, comes thinking ahead, being proactive, not reactive, and thinking not about what all the comp competition are doing or not doing. Oh, yeah, or not doing or trying to copy what they are doing. But it's panicking about what they are doing. And yeah, yeah, I mean, well, it's, you know, let me give you an example. So two schools, okay, one very close to the other one, 100 mm. meters, 200 meters. They both survive and are unsustainable, so not too successful. And how can that happen? Mm. Because, of course, they have, again, they have different, they offer different services in this case. And it's okay, it's a true situation. Okay, they offer completely different experiences. Uh, so they attract different people. Exactly. Okay, so it's pretty based, right? Exactly. It was a, well, I was going to give an example of a pizzeria and like the gourmet pizza, you know, the gourmet pizza and the, you know, pizza tiny, as they call it, you know, takeaway pizza. You know, you've got, if you're dating or you're on a romantic date, you know, where are you going to take the person to, 
to protect one. And if you exactly. are a student and you're rushing because you have to, you're going to go to networks. So you see, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, competition is, uh, is another, uh, another top two. Another, exactly. That's a very good idea, actually. I completely agree with you because this is it. People, people forget that. It's not about having the same business as everybody else, just because it works, just because you see, oh, oh, I can make money this way. No, it's about thinking how you can thrive, not just survive, because I feel like that's also important because that's when the owner can be creative. Like I always talk about the mindsets side of things quite a lot. So I, I feel like people need to start thinking a bit more outside the box. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And there's, I don't know if it is because we're all very busy. I, I don't know. Always the comfort zone. I, I don't know what it is, but it's easier to go with the flow rather than stop and think. Or yeah. it might be also perceived that if you, if you do nothing, like the title of your book, okay, it's, it's not, I mean, when you do nothing is when ideas come and yes. come connect with your, you know, your inner self. So that's when you can have that, you know, idea and you can think out of the box and wait and then so apply. But, you know, talking about mindset, something I have noticed as well is that, you know, my, I've, I've got clients that um, I work with and with a strategy and a couple of them very suddenly didn't go too far and others did quite quickly. So. Why? It's the same, you know, it's, it's my service is quite the same. Yes. I put the same attention, da, da, da. And the, the strategy was signed around their objective, their needs, their da, 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 da. So what happened? And what is that? Is that far from having a strategy, and then we go back to mindset, you also have to put the work and the energy. And be patient. And patient. And and flexible. And... and you know, persevere with... And some people are just not ready for it. Not ready. No, exactly. And when another thing I have noticed talking about school, for example, quite recently I've been doing... Uh, it's a very... It's a research because I'm going to be talking at the English UK Marketing Conference. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I'm quite excited. Well That's going to be at the end of this month. And so I wanted to take some fresh data with me and, and was I sent some schools a short questionnaire. And, you know, you can tell some of the most successful people yeah. are the ones that I, the, I sent them the questionnaire and after a few minutes I had the answers. But they say, yes, we can do it. Done, done, done. And then others say, yeah, well, maybe then you don't hear anything. Right. So all this is action and it's being it's action. And, you know, uh, and it's not an easy thing. It's not a strategy won't solve oh. that. That's my set. That's for you, Ona. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I am a massive fan of strategy, but I feel like mindset is very often the first obstacle. Yes. Without that, no, nothing can really work. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like this has been so valuable. And um, thank you so much for coming. It was oh. lovely. Do you oh. have anything to plug or to say to people who would want to find you? Sure. All right. Well, you can visit my website. So that's www.drschoolmarketing.com. And there I've got a blog. I will say, I will share a secret here. I think someone sat down and read the whole blog. Wow. They also need my services. <laughs> 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 because there's so much. I think I've been too generous. 
And so that, that's my blog. And there you, you can, you know, if you want to contact me, you can find me on Instagram as Gina underscore ERT consultant and on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah. So, and, and I don't bite. People can contact me, send me a DM and we can meet for a virtual call. And, and we have a chat and we'll see if I can be of help somehow. Exactly. I, I can confirm Gina is a lovely person. We also had a chance to meet in person on IATFO. Hope that's going to be the case next year as well. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your observations here. I think it's been invaluable. It's just a, like I felt throughout our chat that it's yeah. just a massive confirmation of what I always bang on about. But then when somebody external says it, it's going to have more impact. <laughs> And that's what I wanted. It's reassuring. Isn't it? yes. it's, it's great. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page in all those uh, topics. So if you're a language school owner or if you're a teacher and you're still using the native speaker kind of angle angle as your messaging and marketing, away from really consider moving away. It's not effective if you don't want to go into the moral aspect. It's not effective. And there are alternatives and you can... Just be open to that. Just be open to change, to doing things outside the box. So I just wanted to say that I can definitely help. There is a new program going on only for language school owners who want to kind of step into that CEO role. So please, please reach out either on Instagram or via email, which I think Gina is going to contribute to as well (laughs) i may i still point yes why not we are not going to 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 we've got lots of (laughs) except i know we're being kept accountable no but i think that's going to be super super valuable Uh, if you're a teacher i think it's still super relevant because all the advice is actually the same and the only difference is that you kind of have to look at that advice and think about how you can apply it to yourself and your solo business so once again, thank you so much. Thank yes, you, thank you. No, thank you for sharing your space and for this lovely chat. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. And um, thank you guys for being here. As always, please subscribe, rate, uh, write a lovely comment. I recently promised that if you write me a little comment on the Apple podcast and send me a screenshot of that, I would be happy to give you a tiny gift because I would love for this podcast to grow even more. So thank you so much and I'll see you next week in the next episode. Bye, Gina! You know what, teacher? I'm so proud of you. If you're listening to this, you are ready for a change. Whether it is to quit hassling for peanuts or working with other people who don't respect you, I know you've got it in you and my podcast is here to help you do that weekly. To be reminded of new episodes, sign up to my newsletter. It's in the show notes. You'll also receive lots of tips, support and special offers. I'm committed to supporting you also via my coaching programs and courses. You can work with me in my flagship programs, the Rocket Takeoff or the Rocket Accelerator. The Rocket Takeoff will take you off the one-to-one teaching hamster wheel to more peace and more well-paying students. The Rocket Accelerator will help you finally launch a group class that will be perfect for students that are a joy to work with and so you can leverage your time and do what you love while having space to breathe or read another self-development book. If you're a language school owner, I've got things on offer for you too. Simply go to my website, olakowalska.com to check them out. Finally, please share this podcast with your teacher friends, rate it and subscribe. 
I'm your biggest cheerleader. See you next time.